This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Ultimate Global Podcast. And today um, we have got... I think we'll have to retake it because uh, I cannot see I cannot see your name. My name is Benjamin. Just Benjamin will be fine. Benjamin, the UK's most editor. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just type it. That don't worry. I'll do that. Oh, so I think you had to see. So it doesn't allow me to write your complete name. That's fine. Perfect. So we'll just start again. So welcome to today's episode on Ultimate Global Podcast, where we are joined by a very special guest from the UK. We don't have a lot of guests joining us from UK. I think you are the third or the fourth guest. So that's a very special occasion for us that we have a guest from UK and his name is Benjamin. He is considered to be UK's most hated sales trainer, and I would just pass it on to him in a while to kind of narrate that story and tell us why he considers himself as the most hated sales trainer and how did that come into picture for him. And then we will take it further on today's topic where we would love to know from him on the top sales tips uh, which people on LinkedIn and around the world who might be listening to this episode can really take away from. So, Benjamin, all over to you. Firstly, I would love to get a brief introduction about yourself and why do you think you are UK's most hated sales trainer? Well, okay. Well, thanks for having me on, Sarab. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and hello to Australia. I do a bit of work in Australia from time to time, but uh, not a lot because of the obviously the time zones make... Uh, training challenging um but yeah so the uk's most hated sales trainer i always get asked this question how how did this come about and the simple rule is i made it up that's the first thing i tell people it's all marketing just like mcdonald's i'm loving it or nike just do it it's all made up right so there's there's no international body that measures hatred among sales trainers and then ranks you according to your 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 your, your hatred so so it's all completely made up and, and it came about by me wanting to stand out in a very crowded competitive marketplace. Uh, I mean, how many sales trainers are there in the world? How many sales training companies? There are thousands, tens of thousands, probably, maybe even hundreds of thousands. I don't know, but there's a lot of them. Uh, They all look sound and sort of come across the same, and I needed to stand out. The other thing was, is I wanted to be an expert in my own right, Uh, and I didn't want to. So when I was trying to figure out what to brand myself as, I went on LinkedIn, and I looked at what do other successful salespeople. And everyone who's successful says, number one, the best guru, top influencer, top performer, smash this income earner. And it's all, look at me, look at how great I am, look at how awesome I am, look at how wonderful I am. And I I suddenly realized no one wants to be hated. It's the exact opposite of being a guru or an expert is hated. So I thought that space is completely open to someone to come along and take. So I took it. Now, I know no one can come along and say, no, I'm more hated. I mean, that would just be stupid, right? I mean, you could try it, but it would just be stupid. So um, 
Yeah, so that's how it came about. It was to be the antithesis. And because everything I teach is counterintuitive and it's almost the opposite of what most traditional sales training teaches, it fitted perfectly. And then, of course, Donald Trump came along and he had this red hat. Now, who's the most hated person apparently in the world? Uh, it's this man called Donald Trump. And I saw that hat and I thought, oh, man, I, I, I can't not use that. So I've got make salesman great again. And I just thought it all fits in with the brand. It fits in with the most hated. And it's worked wonders for me because it, it, it it's done exactly what I wanted it to do. It stands out. People recognize me um, and people are aware of the brand globally now. So um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been good, but it's just me before anyone gets too excited. I'm a one-man band. I don't want employees. I don't want any of the head trash that comes with. I'm a one-man guy. So obviously my time is limited on who I work with and how I do stuff, but it works for me. This isn't, I don't want to be a Grant Cardone. I'm not after Lear Jets. And no, 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 no. This is a really good, comfortable lifestyle business that keeps me living a lifestyle I'm very, very happy with. So yeah. So that, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome, Benjamin. I really loved your value proposition and the kind of personality that you're trying to portray because, as you said, a lot of people just want to become gurus, but not a lot of them want to become the hated sales trainer. And I'm sure that it can have its own pros and cons, which um, you can share with us later on. But I would love to know, since we are talking about sales and since uh, you are into sales, mm. I would love to know from you, what do you find as the top three or four challenges in in today's age, um, especially in the third decade of the 21st century, for most of the salespeople, irrespective of their industries, be it technology or manufacturing or any kind of sales that they are doing. Yeah. Okay. I suppose the top three. So number one for me is this, and I think this is very prevalent, is most people inside, I'd say 95% of people who are in sales don't actually want to be there. Very few people wanted to be in sales when they were growing up. It's not something you aspire to be. You want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an astronaut, a racing car driver, an accountant, an artist, you know, a, a, a teacher, a nurse. These are things you want to be. And then what happens? You go to university or you leave school, whatever it is, and you suddenly realize you've got to make money. You need a job. You've got to pay the bills. And when you're young, you look pretty good. You fit into a suit. You don't dribble. So now you're qualified to be a salesman. Yeah, you've got all the requisite characters. Oh, and you go into an interview and they say, he's quite nice. He's got quite a good personality. Let's give him a shot. That's it. You're in sales. And so because most people are in sales by default, not design, because deep down they don't want to be there, be there, very few people get very, very good at it. Because why would you put in a lot of effort and time to get good at something that deep down you're doing in the hope that something better will come along. So I use the example, I know lawyers and I know surgeons. You ask the average lawyer or the average surgeon, why are you a lawyer? Why are you a surgeon? Very few go, oh, you know, I just kind of fell into it. No, they don't just kind of fall into it. And there could be the odd one, right? But most is, I've always wanted to be a lawyer. I've always wanted to be a surgeon. And then they had to go and study five years to qualify as a barrister, seven years to qualify as a doctor. Then you're a junior. You're at the bottom of your profession. And then you've got to keep learning and learning and getting better and better and better. And that's why it's called a profession. Whereas with sales, to be classed as a professional salesman, you need three days product knowledge training, a new suit, a car, and a CRM system, and you are one. 
right? There's no training goes into teaching you how to communicate, how to ask questions, how to engage, how to act, how to do all the things that make great salespeople. And the other issue that, uh, uh, so that's the first one is most people don't want to be there. So if you don't want to be there, we're always going to be mediocre. That's the first thing. The second one is, and it's sort of linked to the first, is most salespeople are attached to the outcome. So when they're prospecting, got to get a meeting, got to get an appointment. When they're selling, got to get a deal, got to get a sale. So because you're so focused on the outcome, you very rarely look at what you're doing to get there. Now, professionals are the opposite. They want outcomes that are favorable, but they also know that some outcomes won't be favorable. It's a, again, surgeon or lawyer. At the beginning of a trial, I don't know what the jury's going to do when they get sent out to make their deliberation. I have no control over that jury once they're free. So whatever the outcome is, is I can't attach myself to it because I, I don't know. It's either going to be guilty or not guilty or a mistrial. It's going to be one of those three things. And I'm hoping, aiming to get a mistrial or I'm not guilty if I'm defending someone, right? That's what I want. But I don't know. So the only thing I can control is everything I do up to the point that the jury goes out, which means I control the questioning. I control how I conduct myself. I control which evidence I challenge, which evidence I don't challenge. So I control all of that. And if I do that well and competently, the outcome at the end, regardless of whether I like it or not, should probably be right. And I, and I look at selling as the same thing. Selling, getting someone to buy from me is a great outcome, but it's not necessarily the only outcome I'm happy with. I'm happy with a qualified no. If we go through my process and it comes apparent that I'm not a fit or I'm not right, then I don't mind a no because fine. But if I look back at what I've done and realized I lost a deal that I should have won and it's because of something I did, then I'm annoyed. That's when I get upset. So that's the other thing that I think holds sales, but they're too attached to the outcome. And if you're focused on the outcome, you don't look at what you're doing to get there. And that's not professional. And what would be the third thing? I think the third thing is, is social media. And I think people have been conditioned to believe that selling is really, really easy. All you've got to do is write some stuff and put up some stuff and people will come to you. Um, and younger people in particular uh, have been, I, I didn't have social media. And I'm, I thank God social media did not exist when I was under 20. Um, because I think it would have ruined my understanding of how the world really is. Um, and it's not a wonderful, perfect place where everybody's successful and happy and living these awesome lies. That's just the lie created by uh, the social media image. So what you've got to appreciate is selling is hard. You've got to get good at it. Yes, you'll have some good luck when you first start. Most salespeople start off well. It's it's one once you hit the 12 month mark in that you start to just plateau out and then it just feels like the same thing over and over again, day in, day out. And, and that's because people are so used to getting a quick fix. Well, I posted this content, it was great, but I got no no leads. Yeah. And so everything's become very personalized. And again, if you want to be a professional, you have to detach yourself personally from what you're doing. And I think social media has extremely personalized everything. It's made everyone, look at me, look at me, love my content, love me, now, now buy from me. That will work for a handful of people in a few instances. For most of us, you're going to have to work really hard at creating a presence online that's going to make people trust you and believe you're competent. And that takes years, not a matter of months. I think that's another reason. Too many salespeople think that this is going to be easier 
than what it is. So I'd say those are the top three, probably loads more, but that's off the top of my head. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing those uh, ones. And I think I can definitely vouch for that because a lot of salespeople um, look for shortcuts as well. They don't want to kind of work hard on the leads uh, and want to, you know, get get the deals done quickly so that yes. they can hit their targets. As you said, that the focus is on the outcomes um, yes. and not on the process, not setting exactly. the process correctly rather than focusing on the outcomes. I also want to know from you, one more thing, apart from challenges, another thing that we look at sales, uh, whenever we look at any salesperson, is what kind of skills do they possess? Um, now, skills don't have any correlation with any of your degrees that you possess. Skills is something which you any 18-year-old can also possess, uh, yeah. similar to a 27-year-old. Depends upon what's your ability to work through your gates. Now, I have seen that how the sales skills have changed over a period of time, like we used to network on different kind of platforms 10 years back and now networking has completely changed through portals like LinkedIn uh, and these kind of things coming in. I was also listening to a few people um, uh, in the sales arena where they were talking about social selling as one of the key metrics to sell their products. So what do you think are some of the top skills uh, that any salesperson should have? Well, fundamentally, the top skills haven't changed. The first one, and it's going to sound like a cliche and it's going to sound like, yeah, well, everybody says that, but I don't think people quite explain it properly. And the first skill is listening. And what I mean by listening is, is when we're out in the real world selling, we're up against a system designed by prospects to turn us into free consultants. Prospects will deceive you. Yeah, so as a prospect, I can tell you anything that I want and it doesn't have to be true. So I can tell you I'm the decision maker when I'm not. I can tell you I have budget when I don't have budget. I can tell you I have no money when I've got plenty of money. I can say I'll think it over and never think of it again. I can say it's urgent when it's not urgent and I can say it's not urgent when I really need it. So there is nothing I can't say as a prospect. A lot of salespeople don't realize that. So I know from the moment I get in front of a prospect, they're trying to manipulate me to some degree. Now, they don't mean it because we've been trained to behave this way. We all were taught how to be buyers. No one taught us how to sell. And as a buyer, the first thing you do is tell the salesman what they need to hear to come in and talk to you. Then all you do is pump them with questions to get information from them that's going to help you either make a decision or help you go online and buy this product somewhere else cheaper. So you want to use the the salesman as a as a it's almost a biological Google. You need to pump the expert in the area that you're interested in. And then once you've done that, the salesman is going to try and close you. I know this. So I've got a I've already planned how to get out of this. I, I misdirect, I give some sort of lie. Well, I've got to discuss this with my boss, or I, I I don't have any budget right now, or well, we can't make a decision until the end of next month. So there's I give some reason why I can't buy from you because you've kind of given me what I want to know in this meeting, or I think I need to know. And then I fob you off, well, can you send me a proposal? Can you send me a quote? And the salespeople do it, and then they end up chasing and chasing and chasing. So we have to avoid doing all of that. And I think that uh, salespeople don't realize they're in this game. They think you just show up, throw up, and hope, and you do enough of that, and you'll sell. And you will. You throw up on enough people, and someone will say, I like it. 
but it's a lot of work and it's a lot of effort. So control. So listening comes back to they're never really listening to what the prospect's actually saying. And by that, I mean, I read between the lines and then I try and get them to say what's between the lines. So when somebody says to me, look, Benjamin, uh, we're potentially interested in getting some sales training. Now, the two words that stood out to me there are potentially interested. How wishy-washy is that? We're potentially interested in sales training. Salespeople just hear, we're interested in getting some sales training. No, no, no. The word potentially. Why did they say potentially? What does that mean? So I want to dig. So sorry, when you say potentially, did you mean to say you don't know or you don't want sales training? Oh, no, 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 no. We do. So now it forces them to, no, no, we do need sales training. Okay, okay, so help me, and then I can dig. So it's listening. Most salespeople listen for things to enable them to talk about themselves. I listen for things that are indicators that this is never going to move forwards, that this isn't going to happen. And so because I'm constantly looking for why we can't work together as opposed to why we should work together, selling is a lot easier. So that'd be one thing. Now, don't listen. And the other would be total lack of control. Most salespeople do not control the sales process. They react to the prospect. The prospect dictates what happens. Come and see me. Tell me what I need to know. Leave it with me. Send me something. I'll be in touch. And the salesman is doing that over and over and over again. And every time, every now and then someone says, all right, we're in. How is it that the person with the solution lets the person with the problem dictate the shots? Doesn't make any sense. And that's because we've all been programmed that if you have the money, you're in control. That's not true. Your money's useless if it can't buy anything. Salespeople have to start acting like people that don't need their money. I'd like it, but I don't need it. And if I don't need it, it means I can act like someone that doesn't need it which is more important. So I'd say those two things, listening and no control are the biggest, biggest failings of modern people. And old, it's, nothing's really changed. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, listening is very critical. And as you said that, how important it is to pay attention to those minute details, such yes. as you said, potentially will buy or potentially are interested in your services. Yes. I would love to know in continuation to this question itself, like, when you are selling something, do you follow, do you follow some sort of uh, selling process such as identifying the customer persona or understanding their pain points? Um, any kind of processes that you follow? Yes, yeah, so I have a very strict way I go about doing things. And my whole approach to selling is there's more reasons for someone not to work with me than there is to work with me. So my whole process is, and you hear it all the time, but very few people, this is why I'm not a big fan of people reading sales books. People read sales books, but never do anything in them. They just like to be able to say they've read it to make them look intelligent and smart. So everyone's heard go for no. But how many people actually try and do it? I don't think a lot do. They, they do a few things a couple of times and it doesn't work or it ends up being a no. And they say, well, that's not really, no, no, I wasn't meant to get to no. I'm just going for no in the hope that I'll get. So a lot of salespeople do things half-assed and they don't do them properly. So um, going for no. So my process is all about disqualifying, not qualifying. I'm not trying to qualify someone in. I'm trying to disqualify them out. Because if I can get through my disqualification, Whatever's left at the end is more likely than not to buy. 
because we've given, and this is very counterintuitive. So I tell people the reasons why they shouldn't buy from me. Sometimes they say, I never thought of that. I go, I know, but the moment you walk away from this meeting, it will come up. And if I haven't dealt with it in that meeting where I control the conversation around that reason, there's a chance you'll phone me up having said you're in saying, you know what, I've had a chance to think about it and I didn't like this or I don't like that or I just had an idea. So it's all about controlling the process. So um, I've sort of lost my train of thought. What are we talking about again? Where are we going? What am I going with this? Lost my so with the, with the buying process, we're talking about the buying yes. process. So I'm very strict. I'm all about control. So I know what's happening in a sales meeting the whole time. I'm trying to get them to figure out they can't work with me. And if they can't figure out they can't work with me, what's left is we probably will work together. Uh, that speeds up the sales process, believe it or not. And that's also the other thing that I'm after. Time is the one thing I can't make more of. I can make more money, more babies. I can have more wives. Most things in life I can find ways of making more of. My time is the only thing that is tick, tick, ticking away. I don't want to spend any time talking to someone who says, potentially we're interested in sales training. Can you do this for us? Da, 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 da. And then spending three, four hours over a period of weeks talking to someone to get to the end of them say, ah, you know what? Yeah, we've decided sales training isn't really for us. Oh, that's, I can't get any of that time back. So I'm very guarded with my time. And I want to talk to people that I can disqualify quickly or move forwards to the next step. And if I can't qualify them out, disqualify them out, then the odds are we'll move forwards. If I disqualify them out, good. I'll move on to someone else. So that's why that's I follow very, very, very rigidly follow that. Yeah, I think that this is a very critical point which you just touched base upon is a lot of salespeople focus on qualifying their deals and not focus on disqualifying the unimportant leads. Yes. which, you know, which are not going to give them any results. And sometimes we're just wasting our time on, um, you know, dis you know, qualifying the unnecessary leads, which might not give our account executives any result at the end of the day. Um, I would also like to point on one of your LinkedIn posts that I recently read. And you were saying that a lot of people uh, cold call and they get rejections on their cold calls. Um, it's... And they consider that that rejection is for themselves, but it's not a rejection of the person uh, as an individual. It's a rejection of that particular problem because that product maybe can't solve their problem. So that was an interesting post. You have to say something on that uh, to such salespeople. Yeah, so the, the purpose of the post is to point out that most telephone prospecting is done wrong. And what it is, is people phone up and say, uh, hi, Benjamin, it's Barry from ABC Company. How are you today? Right. And they go, yeah. So so we typically work with companies like you and we help them do this and we help them do that. And da, 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 da. So the problem is, is when you're phoning up talking about you, your product and your service, because you probably believe in what you do and you probably love what you do and you think what you do is very, very valuable, you're constantly putting yourself out there. So when a prospect says, nah, I'm not interested or nah, this sounds like not something for me. Because it's always about you, you start to feel it personally. The rejection starts to become personal because every call is ending with, no, I'm not interested. No, we don't need that. And it's you and the product they're constantly rejecting. And I say, well, that's why you should make your calls only about what you fix. So I don't phone up and ever talk about sales training. That's the stupidest thing to talk about to an MD. He doesn't care. What does he care about? What could be pissing him off? What could be annoying him? What could be frustrating him? 
that if I mention it, he can say, no, I recognize that. Yeah, I'm I'm currently experiencing that with my sales team or I've experienced that in my sales process. Once they're able to latch onto a problem that they recognize, then they'll talk. If they don't recognize the problems, all they say is, nah, I don't recognize any of those. I don't experience. I can't get angry or upset. I say, fair enough. Good for you. You're one of the lucky, uh, lucky, lucky handful that don't have this. I'll leave you to it. Doesn't mean I'll never call that guy back. That's the other thing. He's not off the prospecting list. Just because someone doesn't recognize the problems I fixed today doesn't mean they won't recognize them in six weeks, eight weeks, three months. I don't know. This is why we prospect. We don't know at what point in the business cycle we're going to talk to the person that can recognize the things we fix because you might catch them in between. So I can phone a, I can phone an MD and mention one of the biggest things that pisses them off is the fact that you've got sales guys that are reluctant or not motivated to pick up the phone. So many say, I recognize that. So a lot say, I don't recognize that. But you talk to the same guy three weeks later and he goes, yeah, I recognize that. When you ask why, he'll say, yeah, well, literally last week, I walked through the sales floor, Tuesday afternoon, 30 guys, silence, nobody on the phone. Now, the week before I phoned him, he hadn't walked through the sales floor and experienced it. Two weeks later, he has experienced it. So when I say it, he goes, yeah, I recognize that. So then we can have a chat. So... This is why I said, if you phone up to talk about you, your product or your service or how you help, and then people say, I'm not interested, it starts to hurt. If you only phone up and talk about these are the three things we typically fix, not exclusively, obviously, but these are the three main reasons companies like you invite us in. And if they say, nah, don't recognize it, fine. Good for you. That doesn't hurt me in any way. And I move on. So that's that was the point of the post. Stop talking about what you do. Nobody yeah. cares. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, if uh, salespeople can understand this particular point, it will help them to keep themselves motivated and enthusiastic towards what they're doing. Because I feel that one of the key aspects of uh, you as a salesperson is to be always motivated and enthusiastic towards what you're doing. The moment you start losing that enthusiasm because someone has rejected your call, is the time when you start doubting your own self, whether I'm selling the right product or not, or whether I'm selling in the right way or not, because that's not the question. Maybe you're selling it to the wrong person. Um, that's not the right person for your product. Um, so are you selling to the right person? Are you selling the right product to the right industry? So I think that's the biggest thing. But before we end today's podcast, I would love to ask you one last question for any new salespeople or even the existing ones. I'm sure that a lot of existing salespeople also commit mistakes and um, new salespersons uh, who are into who are coming into this um, job profile would want to know any new any suggestions from your side from your experience. Yeah, I, I'd do this, and this is and most people won't like this, but it's true. Um, most people who are in sales have absolutely no idea why they're there or what they're doing. They're just told. You've got the gift of the gab. Just keep saying the script over and over again. You'll get better and better, and eventually people will buy. Now, you 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 meet the average lawyer or surgeon, and you ask them, how did you become a lawyer? How did you become a surgeon? Very few say, well, I fell into it. You don't fall into being a surgeon. You don't fall into it. Why? Because you have to study for five years and all of this. So this would be my advice. If you're in sales, you need to invest your time and your money, not your employers. It's not their job to educate you. You go away, and I don't care if it's Grant Cardone, if it's Spin, if it's Zig Ziglar. I don't care. 
fund the training, get really, really good at one of these processes, and at least you can call yourself a sales professional. But don't sit back and just hope that you'll get better. Yeah, because you won't. And it's a very miserable life being in sales, just eking by. I call them, I call them um, at leasters. You know, at least I just hit target. At least I just missed target. At least I'll be able to make it up. You don't want to operate on a 7 out of 10 your whole life. You know, you want to get to 9, 10 out of 10, right? But at least is, at least is just meander through. And that's the average salesman. But if you don't want to be the average salesman, spend your own time and your own money and figure out how to get good. That would be my advice. Otherwise, never ever moan about your job or how much you're earning because you have no right to because you haven't done anything about it. Well, thank you so much, Benjamin. I really appreciate your time um, to spend with us and share these useful uh, tips on sales. And some of them were really useful for me as well, which okay. I would try to apply in my day-to-day -day life. And I guess every listener who will listen to this will have something or the other that they can learn from out of this episode. So thank you so much. Uh, and I would also like to invite you to our uh, one-year get-together because um, Ultimate Global Podcast was started on the 30th of August last year. Um, okay. We have been inviting more than 100 speakers in this podcast um, from all around the world. So I would like to invite you to that um, evening as well where you, know, you get a chance to network with other speakers and the listeners of this podcast. Um, and possibly we can also have some sort of award which kind of uh, asks people on which episode they found most insightful. Um, and that can be a People's Choice Award for uh, this episode. So thank you so much, Benjamin. Um, I look forward to seeing you again in another episode with a different topic. Thank you very much, Sarev. I appreciate your time. Thank you. This is an Ultimate Global Podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.